What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on LettermanRoad.com, brought to you by our good friends at Byers Auto. If you're looking for an auto, go to Byers Auto, check it out. Today, I'm joined by Austin Ward, as opposed to my normal cohort, Spencer Holbrook. I am Jeremy Birmingham. Austin is talking some recruiting stuff with me today because, well, the last few days have put a, kind of shed a little light on some of the weirdness that happens around recruiting, and uh, Austin... It likes to talk about weird things. So you know, we're going to dive in there. Austin, we had a week now since the decommitment of Jordan Hancock from Clemson, uh, and then two days since the flip to Ohio State. In that couple-day span, all we heard, Ohio State was was pushing negative narratives, was telling Jordan Hancock that Dabo Sweeney's a, a closet racist, that Clemson is uh, this, that, and the other thing. And we had Jordan Hancock on Bermanology to talk about his commitment, and he outright denied those things, which, of course, he would. It's not like he's going to say that, oh, that's what was said, um, you know, on the record. But I can say, it, as Jordan and I spoke prior to the show and after the show, it was never anything about what could have been used against Clemson as really negative things because Davo Sweeney in the last six weeks has sort of put himself on the uh, – proverbial chopping block, I guess, when it comes to the Black Lives Matter stuff, the T-shirts, the all the other reasons that people are picking at it. But isn't negative recruiting just good recruiting? Well, yeah, I'm glad you had me on to talk about the, the weird stuff because um, even though this is not my day-to-day -day like you, I, I deal with these coaches all year, uh, every year. I've been around the recruiting business side of it from a big picture perspective for a long time. And I don't view that there's any such thing as negative recruiting. There is only recruiting. And if anybody wants to spend part of their time bad-mouthing another program, well, you do that at the expense of highlighting the positives of your own. And everyone has their own approach. Like, I understand that comparisons are part of it, that, you know, talking about what's going on in the world or what was going on in Clemson, South Carolina. Look, if Jordan Hancock wasn't talking about that sort of stuff with Ryan Day or Kerry Combs, or Al Washington, or anybody else that he talked to on the Ohio State staff, that would be stunning. It was a major part of the college football conversation. But even if he wasn't focused on that with Ohio State, any other coach, any other program that was talking to him about Clemson was probably going to be bringing that up. It's a negative situation for Clemson right now that they don't really seem to have an answer for. But that in itself doesn't qualify it as negative recruiting. There are inherent comparisons between what's going on at every program that's on the field and off the field, that's going to be highlighted to these players. And also they are – Jordan Hancock or any other guy that we've dealt with, Evan Pryor, Travion Henderson, these guys are much more socially conscious uh, and socially active than, you know, you can compare it. But players that I talked to 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't really a major topic of recruitment, and it is now. And yeah. if you're dealing with – if you're talking about Ryan Day and his staff, I think that they have really – this is not to pat them on the back, but they were at the forefront of talking about all this stuff, whether it was coronavirus or Black Lives Matter or anything else. They've been very uh, upfront and active about that. And to, to label that as negative recruiting or anything else just rings false to me. Yeah, I think what happens is that people, fans, message board, uh, you know, residents, they see to Miche Adeleye or Travion Henderson or anybody else in the Ohio State recruiting class uh, tweeting 
at Jordan Hancock or Barrett Carter or any of these other kids who are committed to Clemson saying, listen, dude, what do you, pay attention. And they, uh, people assume that that's a directive coming from the Ohio State staff. And I, I don't think maybe that the average fan uh, at this point understands how much these kids are talking to each other on a day-to-day basis that has nothing to do with football, nothing to do with what a staff is, is instructing uh, commitments to do when it comes to recruiting other players. And, you know, the reality is, as you said, this isn't about Ryan Day talking to Jordan Hancock. This is about Tumiche Adeleye or Evan Pryor. This is about these young men who are dealing with the same stuff across the country, um, having shared experiences and being able to talk to each other and say, hey, our, our coaching staff, our future coaching staff has done it this way. What's going on there? And again, I want to be very clear with Jordan Hancock, respect to him. I said in February, he was going to end up committing to Ohio State. This was well before the, the stuff that happened with Dabo Sweeney. So I don't think that this is a matter of Clemson being negatively recruited against because of some uh, belief that there's an inherent racism at Clemson that isn't somewhere else. I mean, this is about Clemson. If we're talking about negative recruiting, it's about the high pressure, absolute, you know, hold you up against the wall and say, commit, commit, commit type of recruiting that Clemson does as opposed more than what happened in the last two months. And you and I, you know, we're, we were not in the room, obviously, with Dabo and Jordan Hancock when he took his visit in March. Um, you know, you've obviously talked to him a number of times, and I'm looking at this from uh, outside perspective. There had to be some sort of sales pitch, and I won't speak for Jordan Hancock or Dabo Swinney about what they uh, convinced him of in March, but you had talked to him prior to that and were expecting an Ohio State commitment uh, with good reason. And he said on your own show at that point that he, uh, he was – 100% committed, that he had the Ohio State stuff in his house. Well, something changed then, and it had to have been, now that you look at this uh, from the perspective of the last week, it had to be a sales pitch that was intensely effective in a short burst and not effective the longer away you got from it. So if you're going to say that one form is negative recruiting, you know, I'm not accusing Dabo of that in any way. It's It was probably not something that was effective, and it tends to be categorized in that negative fashion as opposed to focusing on the positive elements that work from going to your own program. Now that can help you in the future. Cause this wore off. If yeah. that was, if that was a solely Clemson based sales pitch, then it did not work. Is that negative recruiting? You know, I don't think so. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite about it. Recruiting is recruiting and you're going to use any sales pitch that you think you can. But if you're using one that is not going to withstand the test of time, it's not going to be effective and it's not going to help you keep a kid in the program beyond signing day. Yeah, ironically, I talked to Jordan about this after we were done recording Bermanology the other day. I, I asked him flat out, I said, if you had been able to visit other schools this summer, would you, you know, or go anywhere, would you still be committed to Clemson? And he said, yes, he would have been stronger in his commitment to Clemson if he'd been able to get over there three, four times this summer as he would have as a commitment. So it's ironic in a way that the the recruiting dead periods for most people who were saying, hey, Ohio State needs to get Jordan Hancock on campus to, to flip him, and which is why I told Spencer on this show three weeks ago, I didn't think that was the case because the relationship with Ohio State was so good. I think it was, it was actually hurting Clemson that he couldn't get back there and continue building that relationship with them that was in, in a short burst, as you mentioned, sort of forced on him in February and March. 
uh, and the, the realness of the relationship with Ohio State is what carried him to this point where things ultimately changed. And I don't believe that it was because Ohio State was saying, Clemson does this, Clemson does this, you shouldn't you know, be committed to Clemson. Ohio State was saying very simply, you've been on the top of our board since the first day we saw you on tape. What's changed? What, what changed for him? And I think ultimately, you know, big picture here, you're talking about a player that had to make a decision that was based on a 90-minute drive to Clemson or a 90-minute flight to Ohio State. And at the time, he felt as a, as a son, as a, as a person who his mom was going through some, some medical issues, he decided he needed to stay closer to home. And I think as that cleared up, it just sort of gave him the opportunity to say, hey, maybe I should do what I needed to do for me, not for what uh, I was being told I should do by other people. And I think that it's, it's important to, you know, make this clear. With, with Jordan Hancock's situation in Clemson, I don't think that it can be considered negative recruiting if you want to put that connotation on it by either side. Um, the only thing that I really consider to be negative, out-of-bounds work is lying to the kid. Yeah. And, and look, there are factors at every school that have to be brought up. It's not as if you go on campus and you're never going to talk about the other kids on the kids in a top five list. That's not realistic. And it's especially not realistic when we're talking about Ohio State and Clemson because you're picking between the very best prospects in the country. If you want to, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, the same deal. Um, There's going to be splitting hairs between each of those programs. They're the best in the country. So as long as everything about other programs, about your own program is true, which also goes back to your overriding philosophy of recruiting and the strength of relationships, that can't be built on a lie. If, if the family concerns and being close for Jordan Hancock initially led him to Clemson, you know, some people might, might feel like, you know, that pressure or using the family to their advantage, that that's negative. It's not. I mean, that's, no. that, they can believe that in their heart and be true. I don't think either program is guilty of that right here and that these coaches were always up front about the things that, in the end, are obviously going to be in their own self-interest. Yeah, to me, recruiting, uh, negative recruiting, is like pizza, right? Like there's no bad pizza. So it, now the only time it's bad pizza is if you give someone pizza and it's like the cauliflower crust pizza yeah. and it's not really – It's a lie. It's a lie. That, is a lie. Right. So that is not the same thing as telling someone, hey, pineapple doesn't really belong on pizza, <laughs> but maybe that one fraction of, of – other people say, you know what, it does belong on, on pizza. And therefore they're like, it's still pizza to me. Jordan Hancock clearly was enamored with the pizza at Clemson uh, for a very short time before he realized maybe the pizza I've always liked is the pizza I should choose. Yeah. Even though both pieces of pizza are probably good. Yeah. I, but I anyway. Mean, but we've dealt with this before, right? With even with just Ohio State and Clemson. When Dabo says that Urban is that near the end of his career, you know, it might have felt a little unsavory and there was no way that Dabo could really prove it to be true, even if he wound up being right. But that's, that's sort of the way that this works. Um, it's, yeah. you're going to have, Dabo is younger than Urban Meyer. He was probably going to be in that longer. It's not like he specifically talked about Urban's health and used that against him. But, um, you know, that's, that's the part of it. If you're going to compare these two, Sometimes there are going to be things said about the other program that you might not like, but as long as it's, it's done um, in the most truthful fashion, 
like if if Urban stayed at, at Ohio State throughout the entirety of Jackson Carmen at Clemson, then he might look back and be like, man, I made this choice for the wrong reason. Um, and that's also why Jackson Carmen said during his signing day press conference that Urban's longevity was low on his deciding factors. It wasn't, it's just a part of a conversation that came up and then got latched onto. It was not the entire sales pitch. Yeah, I mean, the reality here is that for certain players, um, you, especially when you're dealing with Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, these are apples to apples comparisons. It, it all comes down to preference. And that's why, as, I, as we always say, it comes down to comfort and relationships. And the reason Ohio State was able to sway Jordan Hancock away from Clemson had nothing to do with negative recruiting. It had everything to do with comfort with the staff and the relationship he had with the Ohio State coaches, the Ohio State commits, and, and his family's uh, appreciation for the way Ohio State handled itself. Now, on the other side of that, it is defensive back week here at Letterman Row. And, you know, there's still one piece of the puzzle left on the uh, defensive back board for Kerry Combs in Ohio State, and that's Derek Davis, the country's number two ranked safety out of Pittsburgh, um, Gateway High School. And Derek is now looking at it from a perspective of Ohio State has six defensive backs. If Ohio, if, if Ohio State's recruiting opponents are not telling him hey, they have six defensive backs, that's probably a lot, maybe you should consider someone else, then they're idiots, right? I mean, is that negative recruiting or is that just saying this is the fact of life? They have six defensive backs. It doesn't matter that you've been at the top of their board for three years. It doesn't matter that they love you and that they're holding this spot for you and have for three years. What matters is that they have six defensive backs, right? And It would be malpractice for other coaches not to be pointing that out. They have to Again, that doesn't make it negative. Uh, it may come at the expense of Ohio State, but it's, Ohio, it's, a, it's incumbent upon Ohio State then to say, explain their reasoning for why they would want to take six defensive backs, why uh, waiting on the depth chart even to potentially only start for one year down the road, why that has worked out so well for a number of Ohio State defensive backs who became first-round draft picks under that very same circumstance. Maybe that could even happen again this year, which – if you're talking about Cameron Brown and Seven Banks and maybe Josh Proctor, suddenly uh, it makes a lot more sense why you would need that number. And as long as Ohio State can clearly articulate that plan to combat whatever they may perceive as attacks from other programs, that's fine. That's their job. If other teams are trying to negatively recruit based on your numbers or, or anything like that, all you have to do is have a plan for why that works. Ohio State can't lie about it because if – if the six defensive back plan isn't executed and they can't uh, describe the way that Davis could see the field or that the numbers might change based on the fact that Sean Wade or the entire, really the entire secondary might leave for the NFL after this season. Well, he won't stay for, for three or four years to play for Ohio state. This is why I say that it's, and I'm not trying to steal your own thunder here, but with the relationships, the true, the truth has to win out. And yeah. it is true that they're going to sign six. But the only answer Ohio State can have for that is why they want him to be number six. Well, for him, it'd be number seven. That's the, that's the thing. That what they're looking at here is to say, Derek, we have recruited you for three years. We told you from the start, we will wait for you to the end. There'll be a spot for you. It's not to say we're not going to take other people. But it is to say, look at Penn State. They have two safeties committed. We have two safeties committed. It's all the same. Now, the question is, who do you believe? And that's ultimately what recruiting comes down to. And that's why 
I refuse to believe in negative recruiting because it just simply comes down to who do you trust? And if you trust Ryan Day and Kerry Combs more than you trust James Franklin, he's going to pick Ohio State. If he doesn't, he's going to pick Penn State. The outcome is going to be the same in the recruiting class. Penn State has 14 commits. Ohio State has 19. Penn State has five defensive backs committed. Ohio State has six. Like, what is the, what's the difference, really? There is no uh, major difference other than one of them keeps winning games and winning Big Tens, and one of them keeps losing games they shouldn't lose. Now, other than that, what is different between the two scenarios? He, he's th- two-and-a-half-hour drive from Ohio State, two-and-a-half-hour drive from Penn State. He's th- the defensive back, the third safety in either class. Like, there's all these things that can be said. So what matters is who you believe and who you trust. And, and that's why negative recruiting, as long as you're not telling someone cauliflower crust pizza is pizza, <laughs> then everything else is pretty much fair game. Thanks for the gentle correction on the actual numbers. Uh, sure. I'm obviously out of date on that, but the point still stands. If you're going to take three safeties and seven defensive backs, then you still have to have a plan uh, and a reason why Davis should sign up to be that. that well, sure. Know, it's easy for Ohio State to point at the depth chart and say, uh, we have Marcus Hooker, Josh Proctor, and that's it at safety. So this is why you should be coming here. I mean, it's also easy to, enough to say, as some people suggest, that Jalen Johnson in the class of 2021 ultimately is a linebacker. So maybe the Buckeyes in their, in their big picture only have five defensive backs. You just don't know how these kids grow and develop and, and how everything plays out. And the reality is in 2017, Ohio State took six defensive backs, uh, and it turned out pretty okay when you have Jeff Okuda, Sean Wade, um, Kendall Sheffield, Isaiah Pryor, Amir Reap, Marcus Williamson. You had – six of the top 100 players in the country all playing in the defensive backfield. Okuda, Wade, all these guys were safeties in high school, and they all ended up being first-round corners. So. Well, you also have attrition, and sometimes that's positional attrition as well. If we're talking about you know, the, the one you mentioned, some of these guys may go to a bullet, some may go to linebackers, some may grow out of the defensive backfield. And again, that's why a clearly articulated plan is important for Derek Davis. It's important for – Kerry Combs, it's important for Matt Barnes, it's important for all of them to lay it on the table because if it's not correct, then you will see the transfers. You will see you'll have problems on your roster. You won't you just because you got him on signing day doesn't mean you'll ever reap the rewards of having him on your team if you don't uh, know how you're going to use it and how that impacts uh, the kids you already have on campus and the kids that you want to sign in the class after that. Um, and I think that that's one thing that Ohio State does as well as anybody is they don't just haphazardly uh, pluck guys in or, or pitch them on instant, instant playing time or anything like that that can be quickly disproven once they get there. They've been remarkably successful uh, at keeping guys in the program for a long time and buying into that. We're talking about, you know, just for this particular year with Cameron Brown and Seven Banks, they've had to wait their turn for extensive playing time, and they may well be one-year guys who go off to the NFL that exacerbates the need. Ohio State's anticipated that a number of times, sure. why they've been able to reload as frequently as they have under Kerry Combs. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's a group that you know the Buckeyes are doing this for a reason. It's not like they're waiting. It's not like Kerry Combs and Ryan Day sat down uh, at, when Kerry got to campus in, in January and was like, you know what? Hell, let's just take seven DBs for fun. Let's see what happens. It, it's, it's, it's easy to point to the roster if you're Kerry Combs and say, 
I was not here for this stuff and this stuff and this stuff. So I need to bring in my guys. And I think, again, when you're talking about Derek Davis, three different defensive coordinators have recruited him for Ohio State, two different head coaches, four different defensive backs coach over the last three years. It's pretty obvious that they think that he is a player that is too good to pass up no matter what. So bottom line, there is no negative recruiting. There is recruiting and there is lying. So who do you trust, how it plays out, it, that's what's ultimately going to make the decision for Derek Davis. And I was told just a little bit ago on Tuesday afternoon that from his father that they think the possibility is an, a September decision. So as we wait for the next wave of, of uh, updates from the NCAA about recruiting dead periods, that could have a major impact on Derek Davis's decision. If nobody's allowed to make any visits, I think the eight visits he's taken to Ohio State and the 10 visits he's taken to Penn State or vice versa uh, are enough of a sample size for him to be able to make a confident choice. So ultimately, you're going to see him choose between those two schools. I don't care about the top seven schools that he listed on Twitter two weeks ago. Those mean nothing. It's Ohio State or Penn State. And again, you're talking apples to apples, oranges to oranges, pears to pears, pizza to pizza. Who do you trust? That's you don't Austin trust Ward. cauliflower pizza. That's it. Don't ever trust cauliflower pizza. That's Austin Ward. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on LettermanRow.com, brought to you by Bars Auto. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time.